Kevin, how long have we got? That's a dangerous thing to tell a prophet. <laughs> I hope you brought sandwiches because you might be here for a while. No, I'm only kidding. Um, thank you for so much for your wonderful, warm welcome. It has been an absolute joy and privilege to be here with you. You have no idea um, of the places we sometimes go. And it's like stony faces who don't want to know. And it's like, what on earth are you going to do to wreck my life? Um, but you guys have been so open. Well done for the journey. It's not over. <laughs> are you up for an adventure today? I kind of think that... Um, God's on something. Um, I had my notes written for this weekend about oh, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, and the notes for yesterday, I kind of changed them a little bit just to make it up to date for the most current um, examples of stories. But the notes for today, I've rewritten at least now 15 times. To the point where, at half past six this morning, God woke me up. That is not my favorite thing for God to do, I have to be honest. I really do like my bed. And being that it was after one when I got to my bed, I was even less pleased. Um, but God gave me a dream in the night and then woke me up at half past six. I shouldn't really be surprised because I, pro I preached yesterday about prophecy and how God speaks, so I really shouldn't be surprised. But I believe that God gave me a word for you guys this morning, and I'm going to share it with you in increments throughout the morning. I do have some notes, you'll be surprised to know. I did share yesterday that a prophet, an Abbey prophet, has a motto, why use one word when we can use a thousand? So I do have lots of words written down, but are you up for just seeing where God takes us this morning? Awesome. Well, with that in mind, Gilbert, will you stand for me? Wow, <laughs> it's where I want to start off. Wow, that worship this morning was phenomenal. And you'll, you'll notice at times I had to just take a moment out because I just, God was just downloading to me words and he said, you need to prophesy over this man. Gilbert, I heard the spirit of the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I was like, God, that's what you say when we die. And he said, you don't have to wait until then. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord then speak to me about how you lead worship and about the lifestyle of worship that you live. And he said, son, there is within you a, life, a river of life. And it's not a, a stagnant river, but it's a flowing river of full of current. And I didn't know rivers had currents. But anyway, it was a, it's a river full of current. And the Holy Spirit just prompted me. Um, and it, it was making me think about something we do in GPC or something we say in GPC that comes from Jeremiah 1 that talks about before you were even born, he knew you. And God was speaking to me about, you know, I knew you in your mother's womb. And actually at GPA or GPC, whatever you know us as, we talk about that as being your not yet. Okay, because you weren't yet. And then you started to sing your new song and explain your new song. And I was like, oh God, you're so on it. And the Spirit of the Lord says, son, I already have placed a, a, a pen within your hand, but there has come in such a mighty revelation of new song that you will not be able 
to, to keep up. And the Spirit of the Lord says, son, you write and you sing. You write and you sing. But the Lord says, from this moment on, do not be surprised when you sing and then you write. And the Lord says, I'm going to download to you brand new levels of revelation and song, even as you lead worship. And he said, you will see a breaking happening before your very eyes. And the Lord says, son, I see the sacrifice you have made for worship and you have been responsible for the breakthrough in worship in this house and the Lord says son this is a house of worship because of what you carry and because of what you bring and the Lord says son you are not only instrumental in this house but you are strategic and instrumental in this nation the Lord says no longer will the big wigs that's what he said. No longer will the bigwigs of Bethel and Hillsong's capitalize the market. The Lord says, there is a sound to come from Scotland. And son, you are instrumental in that sound. The Lord says, the seed has already gone to the earth. And you are instrumental for the releasing of the sound of breakthrough in this nation. And then God told me. Do you know... Guys, I hope that you can feel the weight of the Holy Spirit when he moves in a place. This man is instrumental in ushering in the presence of God in this place. So, I'm going to add to that. Gilbert, stay standing. If you are involved in worship, or if you are a worship leader, either in this house or in any other house, stand to your feet. Look around at each other. And I want you to see who's standing with you. Because there is coming a move of the Holy Spirit. We don't call it revival at GPA. Revival is an old wine term, and I'm not going to unpack that for you. But it's more than revival. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. It's not supernatural. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. It has to be natural. It has to be our go-to. And these worshippers... I know we're all worshippers, but these who lead worship in, in this house or in other houses are instrumental in ushering in the presence of God. Audrey led worship for us yesterday, and those who were here, oh my goodness, did the presence of God show up. Gilbert led worship this morning, oh my goodness, did the presence of God show up. Get behind your worshippers. Do you know, the, the Bible tells us they go first. When we go into battle, they go first. What happens to the people that go first? They get the first bullets. They're the first attacked. Get behind your worship leaders. Get behind your worshiping people. Pray for them. Prophesy over them. Love them. But each one of you guys that's standing right now needs to grasp hold of a part of the word that was spoken over Gilbert, that you're the worshipers. You bring the sound. And the Spirit of the Lord says, if you consecrate yourselves and spend time worshipping even when you're not feeling like it, that you'll bring breakthrough. If you're a worship leader, pull your team up. Pull your team up, even by the hair if you have to. Pull them up. Pull them into their place. Release them. There is more within each of you than you ever have understood. We talked about it yesterday. There's more inside of me than has been released. You are all prophetic frackers. I have to be careful when I say that. You're all prophetic frackers. You get to, to release what's held in the rock by pulverizing it. You worshippers 
are important. This nation, Scotland, is moving into a time like it has never, ever seen before. We are about, you know, have you heard that phrase, when we set the heather on fire? Well, it's not just going to be the heather that's blazing. We are about to see a move of the Holy Spirit that we have never seen before, like we have never experienced before. And it is not just for the mega churches. And in actual fact, I don't think they have a big part to play. It comes from places who are honest and open in their worship, who just want more of Jesus. That's you. That's this house. Worship like you've never worshipped before. And God told me to challenge you. Gilbert, you already write songs. I understand that. But God told me to challenge you as worshipping people. Write songs. But the Lord says, do not take the pattern of writing from the past, but ask me for the download for the future. And the Lord says, together we will write a new blueprint for the writing of songs that will usher the presence of God into your very midst so that you spend your time in the throne room and get to know not just what I look like, but the sound of my voice. And the Lord says, I will add hosts of angels to your worship. You will carry volume like you've never carried before because the throngs of angels will rush into to your buildings and auditoriums and wherever you're worshipping and they will be the voice behind you and the world outside cannot fail to hear. Amen. Please sit down. That is um, really not how I plan to start. But anyway, that's what God said, so we'll go with it. Yeah, I bypassed most of that, sir. Ah, so I have had a fabulous weekend. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know that you probably will find it difficult to to believe, but um, up until about 18 months, two years ago, the thought of standing on a platform speaking to anything other than children would have terrified me to the point where it would have crippled me, and I wouldn't have been able to speak to you. But oh my goodness, is God faithful and good, and he never calls us, but he equips us. And he never sends you, but he gives you the right tools to do it. And so standing in front of you guys this weekend has been an honour, a joy, and a privilege. And I have to pass on to you the very best and warm wishes from everybody back at the Global Prophetic Alliance. Um, you should know that my intercessors are, have been praying for each and every single one of you all weekend. That you would have a brand new revelation of not only who God is, but who you are in him. Uh, and so we are um, championing you. They are all, I've had, I couldn't tell you how many text messages I have had um, over the last few hours, well, since yesterday, saying, Nicola, go for it. Uh, and, and sending me words about, you know, Fraser Boris Christ is, is crucial. Uh, and how, about, I mean, I think at least six of my team have texted me and said, Fraser Boris is crucial in this next move of the Holy Spirit. Fraser Boris is key to what God's going to do. And they don't, they haven't spoken to each other. That's just what God's been telling them individually. So if God's telling at least six people, you better believe he's on it. You know, this church is a church with an exceptionally rich heritage. Um, And I I was sat around the table with with the guys last night having Chinese, and I was telling them that as personally, I want to honor the, the history of this church. Some of you who've done youth camp long, long time ago 
will remember somebody who's related to me. Apparently, he's my brother, but um, sometimes I don't admit it. Um, but this house and their involvement uh, with others, but this house and their involvement with Scottish Elam Youth Camp uh, was what propelled my brother to be where he is. My brother was a bit of a scallywag, let's just say. He was a bit of a Jack the Lad, a naughty boy. Um, we, we were part of Glasgow Elam um, Church growing up, and Paul used to arrive at church with us. We would all go into church, and Paul would go, I don't know if you've ever been to Glasgow Church, there's a roll shop up at the top of Inglefield Street, and Paul would go up to the roll shop, get his two rolls and sausage and potato scone, his Sunday paper, and come back, put his Sunday paper under the chair in front of him, and eat his rolls and sausage while we all did church. <laughs> he was naughty. Um, but you know, it didn't matter how far he appeared to step away from wanting to be involved in church. He was always the first name on the list when it comes to uh, youth camp. He always wanted to be there. And you guys, Gilbert, Miriam, Kevin, you guys sowed so much into my brother without even knowing it. I personally, so you get me emotional now, I personally, and on behalf of my family, want to publicly thank you guys for what you did. Paul now pastors an Elam church um, in Hastings. He is hoping to move home very soon. Fabulous. I can't wait. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> That's not true. I do miss him. I don't think I'll miss him quite so much when he comes home. Um, I, t I did tell him once I missed him like toothache. You always know it'll be back. <laughs> but um, yeah, Paul hopes to come home, and I, I know that he thinks very fondly of this house and, and of the people here, and when I spoke to him just this week to say, I'm going to be in Fraserburgh at the weekend, and he was like, oh, tell them I said hello, tell them I pass on my love, so if he moves home, he will certainly be coming to visit, so thank you. I know that's a long-winded way around it, but thank you, and it's not just for Paul. Please know that as somebody who then went on to do Scottish Elam Youth Camp, you guys sowed so much into this nation. Thank you. You deserve the honour for all that you sowed into this nation. And everybody else who was part of the church or is part of the church now that support these guys who did that. Hats off. You're amazing. Well done. So, so why am I here this weekend? Well, to be honest with you, that's a question I have asked myself many times since Ruth contacted me out of the blue completely to ask me to be here. And I was like, God, why do you want me to go speak? If I'm honest, like I said to you, I, I never really see myself as being a speaker. And a lot of that's got to do with the fact of where I worship and where I work. Uh, I work for GPA, and the people who surround me are people like Emma Stark, Sarah, Bigger, Sarah Jane Bigger, John Hansford, Sam Robertson, all huge speakers. They blow me away when I sit in the, I sit in the front row and think, really? Never see myself in that place. But my goodness, when you take what God's given you and you run with it, is there reward there? Yeah, there most certainly is. Being involved um, in the Global Prophetic Alliance, I've had to grow some muscles, clearly not the physical kind, but the spiritual ones. And that um, has what's led me here. Um, and, and to share with you guys and to hopefully uh, encourage you and push you, like I said yesterday, and hopefully even challenge you. 
It has been amazing um, to be here. And I, I, leave, I hope I leave you all with some food for thought. That would be a success for me if I leave you with some food for thought. I believe this morning that God's given me a word um, for you as a church. Um, I didn't expect him to prophesy beforehand, but anyway, there's more to come, so don't worry. Do you know that you are called to be atmosphere changers? Now, yesterday, I, I kind of touched on this about what it's like to change an atmosphere. But today, when God woke me up or this morning, when God woke me up at half past six, he told me that that was the important thing for today that you guys are atmosphere changers. And I was like, my God, I did it yesterday. That's a repeat. And he was like, if I repeat, then it has to be said again. So today, I'm repeating what I said yesterday about being atmosphere changers. Do you know what you carry? Do you know what you carry as an individual? And do you know what you carry collectively? Because if you don't, that's your homework. You need to go and do business with God and ask him, what is it I carry? God, what do I carry? It's important to know what you carry because if you don't know what you carry, then you don't enable people to make the correct withdrawal from you. If I don't know that I'm a prophet, people can't withdraw from me as they would withdraw from a prophet. And that leads to frustration because I don't get to do what I'm called to do and they don't get what they need from me. You need to know what you carry, and you need to know who you are in the Spirit in order for people to be able to make the correct withdrawal from you. Why is that important? You see, we're moving into a move of the Holy Spirit that means the outside world are going to have to make a withdrawal from you, not just from Kevin and Isabel as they head the church. They most definitely will make a withdrawal from them. And you guys will all make a withdrawal from them. But those out there are coming to make a withdrawal from every single one of you that's sitting on a seat. And for them to make that withdrawal, you need to know what you carry and you need to know who you are. You need to know the atmosphere that you steward and you need to be aware of the atmosphere that you're in. Many of you will probably have heard of Refuel, um, the, the fill-in station conference that takes place in, in Falkabers. As um, a team, we've been twice, and we, we go and we, we do um, prophetic checkups. I take a team probably, I think last year, I took a team of 25, 26. Um, the year before, I think, well, it was two years before, I think we took about 20, 21. And over the course of the, the, the week, we do approximately, well, I counted them, we do about 370 prophetic checkup appointments. It's hard work. My team stand for hours on end. I got so sunburnt last year that I actually had blisters in the back of my neck. I don't, don't, I'm a nurse, I'm supposed to know better. But well, I was a nurse, I'm supposed to know better. Um, but it was so long we spent in the sun uh, and seeing people set free and transformed, fantastic. However, last year, when we arrived, we don't do the tenting thing. The closest I'm getting to roughing it in a tent is a travel lodge. No way. I don't do the beastie thing. No, they're horrible. They're not getting in to share a bed with me. It's a hotel or a hotel house or nothing. So we, we hire a couple of houses. Um, and we, 
The first year, we had a huge, it was like a mansion. I was laughing when we arrived on Friday night at we Jason saying, Ruth's house is like a mansion. And I'm thinking that's exactly how we felt the first time we arrived in, in, uh, at Fockaber's because we had this massive house. It was, like a, it was like a country house. It had three kitchens. Who needs three kitchens? It was ridiculous. But anyway, um, this time, last year when we arrived, um, we had a beautiful new build house. It was lovely. Um, it was all set out slightly differently. The lounge was up the stairs because it had a balcony and an upper deck and it was gorgeous, beautiful house. And we tend to take a lot of the young people with us. Why? Because actually our young people prophesy exceptionally well and it's such a good training ground for them. They learn heaps in a week. So my team ranges from a 17-year-old to a 76-year-old. And they live in the same houses and they have a, a giggle together. We go and get our noses pierced together. And um, one person got a tattoo. I'm not a great leader of them at all. They're just like, it's a free-for-all. Do you like? Um, have you checked with your mum? I kept saying, have you checked with your mum? Maria, who's a 76-year-old, she was like, I don't have a mum anymore. <laughs> I was like, so you can do what you like. Um, but we arrived in this house, and it was beautiful, and we were super excited. You know, you know what it's like when you go on holiday and you get this massive house, and you're like, oh, it's so good, so good. We all moved in, and we, we looked at bedrooms. I'm the only um, older one, leader, that was in, the, in our house. It was a single girl. Um, and so there's, I had to take a couple with me, uh, and their son, um, Alison and, and David and Matthew, and um, I'd said to them, you guys are going to be sharing a room, so why don't you go and choose the bedroom you want, and I'll just take whatever's left. I was being very humble. <laughs> and Alison said, I'm going to go and have a look. So she went away up the stairs, and she picked the bedroom up the stairs that had the own suite. I was devastated. <sighs> but the problem with it that I could foresee I don't know if it was a prophet or just me being really cheeky, um, was that it actually backed into the living room, which is where the young people would congregate at night. So when she said to me, I'm going to take the room up the stairs with the ensuite, I was kind of like, ha ha. Alison, have you thought about the fact that young people are going to sit there all night? She was like, oh no, I'll take the room downstairs. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Jesus. So... I had this fabulous bedroom with a massive ensuite. It had like this big roll-top bath, and it was luxurious. I had patio doors out onto this little um, veranda kind of thing, and I had this look out over the, the Moray Firth. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But about an hour after we had arrived and we'd settled in and we'd gotten over our awe of this amazing house, I started to feel like a tension headache happening. And I said to Alison, I, I really have a sore head and I don't know where that came from. My eyes are getting sore. I hope I'm not in for a migraine. Now, I do occasionally get migraines, but not that often. But I thought, that's what it feels like. And one of the kids said to me, Nicola, I feel really sick. And I was like, well, you never had anything to eat. We just ignored it and carried on. Pop some faith boosters, otherwise known as paracetamol. Um, and, well, it'll be fine. A couple of hours later, I'm thinking, that headache didn't move. But two or three of the kids were then starting to tell me that they were feeling really sick. Uh, Alison then said to me, Matthew's got a really sore head. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. This is not normal. Slow on the uptake, I know. But anyway, I'm thinking, I think this is... 
This doesn't feel like it's natural. Why are six or seven out of the 16 of us feeling unwell an hour after arriving in this house? And so we, we sat together and pulled them all into the lounge. And I was like, you know, guys, I believe that the way we're feeling sick and we're not feeling great is, is about spiritual atmosphere here. We're going to do some business with God and change this atmosphere. Um, and I, I'm, see, see, when you're the leader, it's great. I'm going to challenge all of you to get a word of knowledge about why we are feeling unwell. <laughs> and if you don't get a word of knowledge, we're going to sit here till you do. <laughs> I'm not going to try, but you all can do it. <laughs> We're pushy. This is a learning experience. Well done. You're doing so great. So we started to pray and we started to speak in tongues and we started to renounce the atmosphere and, and, and you know, only Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Uh, some of the kids went around and anointed the doors and the windows with oil. And I was like, right, okay, so who has the word of knowledge? And this little one who was probably, she's not the youngest, but she's probably the smallest out of the whole team with this wee squeaky voice said to me, Nicole, there's a, a game of Dungeons and Dragons somewhere in this house. And I was like, oh, is there? And she said, yeah. I was like, do you know where it is? And she was like, no. Well, that wasn't a great word of knowledge. Go back and get where it is. <laughs> so we, there was a couple of cupboards in the lounge and we, we had a wee hunt through them. Sure enough, there was this game of, of Dungeons and Dragons. And um, we Alison and myself, being the, the most senior in the room, were like, nah, you're right, this is what's created this horrible atmosphere in this, so we're going to bin it. <laughs> it wasn't our house. <laughs> I don't care. Pick it up in that bin, throwing it outside. It's not even getting to live in the bin in the house. Alison's like, they're going to charge us for that. I was like, well, they can try. Instantly, that we threw out that game, instantly changed the atmosphere. Instantly, my headache went. The kids who were feeling sick were like, are we going to McDonald's or are we having a Domino's? I was like, it was a spiritual atmosphere. Was the game really relevant? Did we need to throw it out? Probably not. It was maybe slightly overkill. But there was something had happened in that house, in and around the playing of that game that had welcomed in an unclean spirit that needed to be dealt with. And we need to be that aware of a spiritual atmosphere when we walk in, in order for us to be able to flourish. Enemy has no authority. How do I know that? Because we have all power and all authority. And if we've got it all, that means somebody else has none. And the only way the enemy has any power or any authority is because we give it to him because we abdicate ours. And I didn't plan to go there just yet, but never mind. So yesterday, I also asked a question that I'm going to ask you again today. And that is, do we desire to be biblically normal? Because if we do, that gives us huge scope to be outrageous. Who in the room likes to be outrageous? That would be me. You might be prophets, the ones that want to be outrageous. <laughs> We need to see signs, wonders, and miracles as the norm. That can't just be something that happens every now and again. It has to be the norm. It has to be something that we're like surprised when the miracle doesn't happen as opposed to when the miracle does. 
John 14, verse 12, tells us, Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing. He will do even greater than these, because I am going to the Father. That verse challenges me every single time I read it. Why? Because Jesus said, you're going to do greater than I did. Jesus raised the dead. That's a good place to start. Has anybody ever in here in this building right now ever raised the dead? We need to get biblically normal. It's normal to raise the dead. It's normal to see the sick healed. It's normal to see the demonized set free. We need to be biblically normal. So yeah, Jesus raised the dead and we get to do that. Yesterday, we talked about um, the ascension of Jesus back into the heavenly place. Um, And I have to be honest and tell you that that description of heaven that I use is not mine. Full disclosure, it's not mine. But it's the best I've ever heard. It was written by my boss, um, Emma Stark. Uh, And if you read her book, Prophetic Warrior, uh, you'll read it there so you'll know it wasn't mine. Um, But we all use it because it is the best that I have ever ever heard. But we, read, we heard yesterday, and we'll read in Emma's book about uh, the moment of ascension. So even in that place of Jesus coming back, leaving the earthly realm behind, leaving behind his human forum, and his ascension into heaven, and in that place of taking up his rightful place beside the Father, his first thought was us. And it wasn't just, oh, I miss them. His first thought was to bestow upon us gifts. Those gifts need to become normal, but what are they? Well, yesterday we said that they were prophecy, miraculous powers, healing tongues, interpretation of tongues, words of knowledge, discernment of spirits, and faith. I told the guys last night, so I did tell them they were getting spoilers last night, a story about um, using tongues and interpretation of tongues. When you're a team member at at GPA or a staff member is even worse, you need to be ready for anything at any time. We sit along the front row because that's where Emma likes us and you have to be ready to run whenever she says, this is what we're going to do. So we were in church one Sunday morning, Julie worshipping. We had no worship leader at the time, so we were using Spotify. Um, We're worshipping away, worshipping and worshipping and worshipping. All of a sudden, Emma stops the worship. What was that all about? And she says, somebody in the room has a new tongue. And I'm thinking, wasn't me. I can relax, but it's okay. And she kept going, nobody would admit it. Nobody would admit it. She kept going on, somebody's got a new tongue. Somebody's got, you've got a new tongue, then you're supposed to bring a word. You're supposed to bring us a word in tongues. Um, so who is it? Put your, just put your hand up, don't worry. It's not, we'll come to you, you don't have to come out the front. Nobody. Nobody would give any credence to somebody has a new tongue. So the next words I hear come out Emma's mouth are, Nicola, you come and bring a word of tongues because, like, you can. Because I can't. I've never done it in my life before. What do you mean I can? Anyway, you, you learn just to go with it. And I'm standing at the front thinking, God, you better fill my mouth right now because I have to speak. Brought a word in tongues. And I'm thinking, at least I got the easy bit. I only needed to bring the word in tongues. Poor Sam, he needs to interpret it. So... Sam interprets it. And the next thing I know, the microphone is back in my hand. And Emma's saying to me, 
You've got a bit of more interpretation, haven't you? No? <laughs> okay, I'll prophesy it. So, yeah, we have to be ready. But we need to move in these gifts. These gifts need to be normal. And that's what she was like, exactly, I understand now, that's exactly what she was doing. She was normalizing the gift of tongues because it has to happen. I don't know about you, but I've been in church since, I think the first time I went to church, I was five days old. Um, and certainly growing up, when I was little, the gift of tongues was much more prevalent than what it is now. I think we've kind of jumped in on the thought process that we've left it behind a little bit. No, we haven't. Speaking in tongues is absolutely normal, and we should all be doing it every single day. We start with five minutes when we get new team. We tell them to practice every day in tongues for five minutes. And they build it up and they build it up and they build it up until they can easily speak in tongues for at least an hour. Why? Because it raises your faith level. Why? Because it's the heavenly language and it directly connects you with God. It raises your faith level. Do you think... The, the gifts that God gave us are still normal today. The miraculous powers, the words of prophecy, faith, healing, tongues, the discernment of spirits. Is it still normal today? It's a huge question. I understand that. But I would like to suggest that the answer to that question is even bigger than the actual question. And the answer is they should be still normal, but maybe they're not. Please don't take that as judgment. That's not the case. I'm speaking collectively for church. I think we've denormalized the absolute radical wildness of the Bible. You know, Jesus changed atmospheres just by being there. And we need to be more like him. Do you want all that God has for you? Because he's got lots. You know the saying um, that you become like those that you live with. Um, my dad uh, sadly passed away about 14 years ago. Um, it's not sad for him, I don't imagine, but it was for us. Um, and I live with my mum. Um, and I pray, oh, please don't ever tell her, if you ever meet her, don't tell her this. But I pray every single night, God, don't let me become like her. <laughs> Not because she's horrible, she's fabulous, but I'm like, God, I have to be me. <laughs> I don't want to become like anybody else. And she's an amazing woman. She's such a woman of God. She is a challenger. She's a pusher of the kingdom. And I'm like, I like her traits, but God, I need to be me. And I was, I was sharing that with the team one day. I said, I pray every night, God, don't let me become like my mum. I know I live with her, but I don't want to be her. I want to be me. And they were like, that's a terrible thing to pray. <laughs> So anyway, I've confessed it, it's done now. But we do, we become like those we live with. You know, there's that whole conversation about nature versus nurture. I have a friend um, who has a daughter, um, a biological daughter, but they also adopted a little girl. And if you were, both of those children were to walk into this room right now, you would say that the adopted one was their one that was biological because the nature becomes like those she lives with, and she is her mum over at the back. It's nature versus nurture. 
So we, the more time we spend with God, the more like him we become. If we live with him in our every thought, if we live with him in our every action and in our every word, we become more like him. I cannot think of anybody that I want to be like more. Those of us who are of a certain age will remember a singer um, called Amy Grant. And Amy Grant used to make me cry whenever I listened to the song that she sang about her father's eyes. And I want people to look at me and say she's got her father's eyes, not my earthly father's eyes, because I do think I have his eyes. But I want to have my heavenly father's eyes. I want it to be when you look at me, you see a representation of him. That when you challenge me, you see a response that is like him. I, I want it to be when I'm under pressure, when I'm squeezed, that it's him you see me leak out of me. I want to be like him, and I would challenge every one of us to chase after being like him. We need to spend time with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in order to be like them. Because you see, we're not just called to be like Jesus, and we're not just called to be like God, and we're not just called to be like the Holy Spirit, we're called to be like all of them. We're called to minister like all of them. John 5 verse 19 tells us, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. The same should be said for us. We do what we see the Father doing, and we say what we hear the Father saying. How much would that revolutionize our daily life if that was true? We only do what we see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. Signs, wonders, and miracles followed him. I don't know about you, but I don't remember anywhere in the Bible where it said that Jesus told the disciples, I know, let's hold a healing meeting. It just happened. People got healed. In Matthew 9, 20 to 22, it tells us about the woman with the issue of blood. She knew what Jesus carried. And she knew that if only she could touch the hem of his garment, that she would be healed. She knew the withdrawal she needed from him, but she knew who he was so she could make that withdrawal easily. And her faith pushed her to a place of being able to touch the hem of his garment and be instantly healed. People need to know what you carry to make the right withdrawal from you. I long for the day to walk into a room and people are healed just because of what I carry, not because I'm fabulous. Because trust me, I really am not. But because of what I carry, and because of who I know, and because of who I carry, and because of what he is in me, that people instantly get healed because I'm in the room, because Jesus is in the room with me. You know, the women with the issue of blood recognized the transforming power that Jesus had, the same power that lives in you today. Why then do people not get healed when we just walk into the room? because they don't know how to make a withdrawal from us. We need to partner with what we carry, and we need to choose not to downsize it. And yesterday, we repented for downsizing the gifts, but it's so true, and sometimes it becomes a daily battle. God, I choose to repent of the places where I've downsized, downsized the gifts that you've put in me. If it takes you getting up every morning and saying, God, can I just see one miracle today? 
Can I just see one word of prophecy today? Can I just see one person set free today? I guarantee that will revolutionize your life. And the more you see it, the more you'll go after it. You know, Romans 8 tells us that we are more than conquerors. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of think that's a, a strange term. You're either a conqueror or you're not. How do you get to be more than a conqueror? Well, whenever we preach anywhere, like I said to you yesterday, we tend to use Emma's notes and we just change them to suit ourselves. And now we add in our own stories and we make it sound like us, but the, the basic message is still the same. However, I am going to steal one of Emma's stories this morning, one of the stories that she uses. I'm going to steal it this morning. We are more than conquerors. It would be enough if we were conquerors. Conquerors win. It would be enough. But the Bible said that we are more than conquerors, which really is quite an odd statement. But what does it mean? A tennis analogy. We secret for you. Emma Stark is a huge tennis fan. Huge tennis fan. I have sat with her in conferences when she's not preaching and she's sitting with the tennis on her iPad. <laughs> She is a massive Andy Murray fan. She loves Andy Murray. And this story, she uses Andy Murray to explain. You see, Andy Murray is a tennis player, in case you didn't know. He's Scottish. He's, it's one of the things we're good at. <laughs> we're not very good at much sport, but tennis is one that we're not bad. Andy has won three Grand Slam tennis tournaments. I had to go and look that up because I didn't know. After he uh, wins, and he, he's won Wimbledon. So after he won Wimbledon, he receives a humongous check. Yeah, it's got lots and lots and lots of zeros on it. It's the check and the prize that's given to the conqueror or the winner. The check gets paid into his bank, and then his wife, Kim, goes shopping like all good wives do. I'm sure she goes to Harrods and she spends loads of money buying Gucci and Prada and Chanel oh, to have half the chance. You see, she lives out of the victorious place that was created by Andy. You don't have to fight like Jesus did. You get to choose the easy part of choosing to apply the winnings of him to your life. You get to live out of the place of victory, just like Kim lives out of Andy's place of victory. You are more than a conqueror. Jesus was the conqueror. He conquered death and hell and sin and sickness. And you and I get to live out of that victorious place. That is how we do greater than what he did, because we live out of his victory. Let's be a people who choose to live out of that place of victory. I'm just gonna pray. So Father God, we pray right now and ask you for an awakening of desire to see and to do more, to be the more than conquerors that you created us to be and that we are called to be. 
oh God, I decree and declare over these dear ones that they have the mind of Christ, that they get to live out of the spoils of your victory. They and we are one with you. I want you to put your hands on your heads and just declare over yourself, I have the mind of Christ. I will live out of a place of victory. Okay, so what does that look like for us practically to have the mind of Christ and to live out of the place of Jesus' victory? Well, to be honest, it looks a bit like a new way to do church. If you've ever tracked with us at GPA, you'll have heard the phrase that we cannot get away from, and it's new means new. It's one that we measure everything we do by. Is it new? Does it new really mean new? Or is this new but we're hankering after the old? It's a buzz phrase around the place. You'll hear all the team use it. I think over the last two years, we've all had to adapt and change what we do. You know, COVID has been a total leveler for everybody, I think, across the, the planet. But new means new. Two years ago, um, as we left our ministry building behind um, and began the move into to COVID, God told us 18 months beforehand it was time to move out of our building. Um, we didn't know COVID was coming. But um, we literally packed up our building on the, the Friday um, and left and handed back the keys and um, went into lockdown on the Monday. Thank you, Jesus. Otherwise, for two years, we'd have been paying rent for a building we couldn't have even been in. Um, but we are involved in lots of personal ministry. We do prophetic checkups. We run a miracle clinic uh, in person in our old building. We do deliverance. We do all, you name it. It happens. Shortly after lockdown, we were aware, just like you guys would have been aware, that we needed to do something online, that we needed to be available for our people, and we thought that was going to be the end of it. So we started to put on um, our prayer times in the morning, and we did um, care groups, we met on Zoom, and we, did, we didn't do church straight off, um, because we just felt we, that wasn't the way, the, the way we were going to go. But after a, a few weeks into it, Emma phoned, and she said to me, Nicola, I think we need to about personal ministry and I was like okay she said um, I'm not feeling that we're going to track with prophetic checkups online I think we scrap them for now oh, yeah, okay that's fine but I want you to run with a miracle clinic and I'm like okay not sure how we do that but okay so we started with a miracle clinic um, I pulled a team together and we ran a miracle clinic three or four times a week um, with our team in Glasgow, um, but what we were aware of was our appointments were getting booked out. I mean, I think we would release 100 appointments and they'd be gone in like 25 minutes. They're just gone. Uh, and the team were becoming exhausted because they were on all the time. There was people from Australia and India and Germany and America all wanting appointments, but they had to fit in with their time zone. So it was becoming a bit of a problem. So I said to Emma, I need team. 
but we don't have enough team for me to be able to staff this properly. And she said, okay, I'll announce it on Power Hour. I'll tell them we're particularly looking for people in the Southern Hemisphere because we would like to be able to set up a clinic down there. I was like, good idea, good idea. So she did. She boldly went on to Power Hour and announced we were looking for volunteers to help us run medical clinics. And if you would like to join us and be trained by us and come and function on team, you need to email Nicola and give out my email address. Within 24 hours, I had 386 applications. Team all over the world. Um, we cover 27 states, I think, in America. There are team there. And the miracle clinic grew and grew, and people are being healed. They've never seen each other face to face, like in reality. But we've had a girl who had been struggling with fertility for 10 years. She'd had multiple miscarriages. Um, she came on for a medical clinic appointment. The team prayed for her, and she is about to have her second baby, and we're only two years later. Um, we had a, a lady who, her mum was unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer, um, and she was told very quickly after the diagnosis that it was terminal, there was nothing they could do. Um, we're discharging you home. And um, you're just, you know, basically, you're just going home to die. Uh, she phoned, she was one of the medical clinic volunteers from the States, and um, she phoned us as she was leaving the hospital with her mum and said, I've got my mum in the car, can you guys just pray for her now? And I was like, eh, yeah, we'll pull, hang on, give me half an hour and I'll pull a team together, pull the team together, and we all jumped on, and she has no cancer anywhere in her body. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know... I don't tell you these things to big up who we are at all, not in any way, shape, or form, but we need to make that normal. Do you know, that has to be the way things happen. We need to be walking in, in that whole um, openness to the Holy Spirit moving. And that can happen at any time. I remember being in Sainsbury's um, in East Kilbride, and I'm standing in the queue, and God said to me, Nicola, when it's your turn to pay, I want you to pray for the, the checkout lady's sore back. And I was like, absolutely not. God, have you seen how many people are in this shop? No way. It's not that. He's like to me, Nicola, pray for her. I said, I don't even know if she's got a sore back. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, she's got a sore back. And I was like, I'm not praying for her sore back. It's not happening. And God's like, just go with it. No. So we moved up, person in front of me got served. Then it was my turn, and I'm standing in the women's doing her job. She's pushing all this stuff through the, the checkout. And I said to her, so how are you today? And she said, oh, I'm really, really fed up. And I said, why are you fed up? She's like, oh, I've got such a sore back. I was like, okay. Well, I said, you know something? I'm a Christian. <laughs> and actually, when I was standing in the queue, God told me you had a sore back, and I told him I wasn't praying for it. But actually, you've just confirmed it. So right now, can I just pray for your back? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> prayed for her back. God healed her back. But oh my goodness, how much more of a witness. And it was a witness. God healed her. But can you imagine being that checkout woman when somebody you don't even know comes to you and says, God told me you've got a sore back, can I pray for it? I missed the boat there. The reason for telling you that story is we're not perfect at GPA. <laughs> we struggle. I struggle. But listen to what God has to say. Are we ready? 
for when the kingdom of heaven affects our normal life. You know, I told stories yesterday, and I'm not going to go back into it today, but um, I told stories yesterday about my favorite subject, other than God, and that's football. And about God challenging me to change the atmosphere at the team that I support. I'm a big Ranger supporter. Um, but, but... I have a responsibility to be the salt and light. I have a responsibility to be the atmosphere changer. I have a responsibility to represent God wherever I go, even if that's into a football stadium, and to take hold and apprehend the atmosphere and say, in this space, because of who I carry, this will not happen. That will not happen. The enemy, you are not going to win. You are not having the minds of these people. And, I, and like I shared yesterday, that God had me decreeing and declaring all sorts of bizarre things. Like there will be no um, domestic violence from anybody who's involved and in this stadium. They will not go home and beat up their partners. I've also, nobody leaves this stadium will go home and can commit suicide because I see words above their head. Because we need to be those who apprehend the atmosphere that we're presented with and be those who don't just sit back and say, somebody else will do it. We need to be those who are prepared to do whatever it takes. And you know, you guys, if you're signing up for this um, life of adventure, then when you go to the shops in Fraserborough or wherever you go shopping, or when you walk down through the heart, you know, I have to tell you, I used to work for the prison service. And we used to travel up to Peterhead, to Peterhead Prison, while it was still the old prison that was open, um, to deliver health promotion. And whenever we travelled to Peterhead, I would say to the girls who I was on team with, oh, you need to take me to Fraserborough. I would love to say, to see the church, but it wasn't. It was because I'd seen Trollermen on the telly. And I wanted to go and see the Trollerman. <laughs> Never once did I see one. But anyway, I used to make them bring me here. So even when you walk in the harbour, are you decreeing and declaring over those people and over those fishermen? Do you know, I know not very much about fishing. In fact, I don't really like boats. Well, they're lovely to look at, but don't get me on one. Mm -mm. I cry on the ferry going across to Millport and it's only 10 minutes. I, I just don't do boats. But you know, if you want to see the atmosphere change, and if you want to see Fraserborough revolutionized, get out there and start revolutionizing it. If you want to see your industry, your fishing industry, which I believe across the UK is in decline, if you want to see that trend turned on its head, you get out there and you start decreeing it and declaring it. Start decreeing that that sea is full of fish and that your trawlermen will be the ones who are successful. You'll see regeneration in your town and in your city and in your place of worship and in your place of life because you decreed it and you declared it. Who gives you the authority? God does. You have all the power and all the authority. If you want to see an end to the confusion that lives in our children's minds, and I'm prophesying right now, you want to see an end to the confusion that lives in our children's minds where they don't know if they're a boy or a girl, where they don't know if they're going home to a hot meal, where they don't know who they are. You want to see that end? You start prophesying it. You have a responsibility to change the atmosphere where you're at. I can't come in, well, I can, but I'm not responsible for changing Kevin's atmosphere. Kevin's responsible for changing his atmosphere. You're responsible for changing your atmosphere. When was the last time that you prayed and prophesied over your local council? Do we whinge about the decisions they make? 
When was the last time you prayed and prophesied over them? Do they need to hear it? No, they don't. We can't use that as an excuse. I don't get an appointment to pray and prophesy over them. Pray and prophesy over them. As I walk around Ibrox, I'm sure I must be on cameras. In fact, I think I might be on a poster in their security room. This woman is a nut. I'm sure that's what they think. But as I wander around Ibrox, I have my hand on the building so many times, and I'm like, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. Holy Spirit, you come and invade this place. I'm giving you permission to do what you want to do. Show up in this place. I speak no injuries over this place. I speak a winning mentality. You are winners. You are winners. It's yet to be proved whether that's right or not. But you know, hey-ho. But it's the same principle for council buildings. Get down there and start praying and prophesying over the people who have authority in your neck of the woods, in your place where you live. You need to be down praying. Controversial. But you need to be down praying over the other churches in the area. Bless AOG. Bless Baptists. Bless Catholics. Bless the Muslims. God, show them the light. Do you know, there's a guy who lives, um, I think his name's Andrew Chapman. Um, He is part of the Church of the Supernatural in London. And he came to Glasgow and he said something that made me like, "Mm -hmm." he said his most successful healing sessions or times were in the mosque. Whenever he is invited, and he's invited all the time, to come into the mosque to preach and to teach about healing, he said, hundreds of people get healed. Why? Because he's changing the atmosphere. Do you know that apart from us, there is no other being God, us us and God, there is no other being in existence that has power and authority. Angels have power, but they've got no authority. God never uses demons. The only place any demons get power and authority is from us. And when we abdicate our responsibility, we need to be atmosphere changers. We need to be those who change where we are, who change what we do. But that doesn't mean that we get to sit in our seats and think about it for the next 25 years. It means we need to get up, as as Simon Foster would say, we need to get up off our blessed assurance and go out there and be world changers and atmosphere changers, be those who change what we do see before us for God's glory and for God's good. And you know, my plan this morning was that I was going to get you guys just to pray for each other, because you are equally as much of a minister as what anybody else is. But actually, there's a buy-in. There is no point in telling you you need to go out there and change the world if you can't get out your seat and make the decision that that's what you want to do. Please don't hear judgment in that because that's not what was intended. But if you want to be a world changer and an atmosphere changer, it starts right here. Do you know, I came in here on Friday night to your um, powerhouse kids club. Blew my mind. What a heritage. Change the atmosphere. You change the atmosphere and each one of those children goes home with a bit of that atmosphere. They change the atmosphere in their house. They change their atmosphere in the school. 
teach them then to be atmosphere changers. So, if you're up for it, and you want to be that atmosphere changer, and you want all that God has for you, in this next season, I'm going to just end that right there. Then I want you to jump to your feet and get down here at the front. Wow. Kevin, I want you to look and see how many people are journeying with you. That should bless your heart. So I want you to bunch up a little, I know COVID, please just go with it. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. If you can, get your hands on somebody's back, standing beside you. You're going to release the power of the Holy Spirit to each other. And I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to prophesy over you as a church, because God told me this morning as I was lying in, not my bed, but somebody, <laughs> that sounds really bad, as I was lying in bed, not just... God told me um, that this is a church responsible for stewarding the Holy Spirit. And this is a church responsible for ushering in the new. And God showed me a picture of the sea. And I was like, oh God, that's really not revelation because I'm surrounded by the sea. And I've seen pictures of the sea all around me all day yesterday. And God said to me, Nicola, I am bringing in a wave of the Holy Spirit that will look like and sound like the ocean because it will just keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling. And the people in this town are those who are consecrated. Then the Lord says, you are going to see huge revival, although we don't use that word. You're going to see huge revival. You're going to see lives turned around. You're going to see radical transformation. You know, not just little bits here and there that make it hospitable and make it polite and make it pleasant to look at, but you're going to see radical transformation in people's lives. You're going to see people delivered from addiction in an instant. You're going to see people set free from prostitution and from that kind of lifestyle in an instant. The Lord says, no longer will you get to procrastinate and no longer will you get to think, oh, we need to do all this and this and this and this before we do that. He said, in an instant, I am changing your mandate and I'm increasing your anointing. And Kevin and Isabel, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, I am mantling you as a couple for change. And the Lord says, what you steward will run through your people and will touch the lives of those outside. And the Lord says, Kevin, there is a governmental anointing upon you. And the Lord says, son, you are going to find this next season, a season of increase beyond your wildest dreams. And I see property keys being put into your hand and the Lord says son we are no longer looking at a building but buildings we are no longer looking at a church we are looking at churches and the Lord says such is the growth that is about to come to you you're going to have to think on a weekly basis how are we going to house these people and I see multiple services in multiple buildings and the Lord says son you are going to raise up a generation who will look to uh, look to me like they've never looked before and the Lord says son do not walk down the gospel because you're not a watered down gospel type of man. And the Lord says, I brought you from a place of needing me to be able to explain to others why they need me. And he said, son, you are anointed for this next generation and for this next wave of the Holy Spirit. And oh, 
I hope you guys, I know you do, I hope you guys get behind these two and behind the leadership team here because they carry such a unique, I honestly have never felt an anointing like I feel when, I'm, when I start to prophesy in this building. There is such a weighty presence. And I know that when we, at GPA and GPC, when we prophesy, it makes it look like, you know, it's easy. And I know that people think it's not, it's really hard. Actually, it's not. There are prophets among you. There are prophets among you. Support your prophets. Chase after them. Push them. Go to your prophets. I tell you, I've never, um, I, I never had seen it before, but Ruth, Isabel, Miriam, all three of you carry prophetic gifts and prophetic anointings. And what a, what a blessing to have three sisters who are prophets together. You two, I would say, are probably more nabby. And, and Ruth, she's definitely a seer. But you know what? You get behind these guys. Challenge them. They're going to not like this. But challenge them. Go to them and ask them, what's God saying to me today? They're probably going to tell you to go and ask them for yourself. Because you can all prophesy. Get behind your leadership. Get behind your team. And realize that what God is doing is he's churning up the ground around you. He is moving in to Fraserburgh. And I watched in the spirit this morning as I, I was looking uh, to, to change my notes. And I was watching in the spirit as I saw God begin to churn ground, turning it over like a farmer does with a plow. And he was churning the ground all around you. And I, and I was like, God, you're just making a mess. And God says, get ready for the mess. Get ready for the mess. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, right now, Father, I stand in agreement with you. And I bless these dear ones, that they would be the prophetic frackers that they are called to be. They would be the releasers of gold from the rocks that are within. And Father God, I bless them to be the blessing that they were meant to be. Father God, even right now, touch them like you've never touched them before. Holy Spirit, you come and anoint their lips with coals of fire. Touch their hands. God, pour within them living water like it has never cascaded before and over you right now I'm just watching angels pour like it's like watery fire and it's just pouring all over all of you and it's burning off all of the rubbish and taking off all of the chaff and it's refining you and it is making you more like him and I'm watching in the Holy in the Spirit as I'm seeing you all kind of take a moment that kind of that's expanding in the spirit and the Lord says this is not the end but this is a glorious and holy beginning and he said you and I and you and we are going to run together are you ready for the challenge because the Lord says do not think that this will be a time where you don't have to work but he says, I'm birthing within you. And there's some of you in the room right now that are already beginning to feel new um, dreams hit them and who are beginning to feel like a new anointing just resting upon them. And the Lord says, I'm anointing you for the new and I'm blessing you for the new because new means new, new means new, new means new, new means new. And that's going to become your mantra, Gilbert. You know, you write a song about new means new. And the Holy Spirit says, sing it over these people because new means new. And the Lord says, I am coming with a new level of fire to not just tickle where you want to be tickled, but 
Lord says, I am coming to move you from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And the Lord says, you will not be able to house the people that I'm going to bring to you in this building. And I don't, you, you guys start needing, you need to start looking for a big building or go to multiple services because there is a wave of um, new coming to you like never before. Hold on to that. Run with it. Listen to what God has to say. But there's something about the sea. Even just um, as we're standing here, I'm watching. I just see waves cascading over you. And you know, like, as a wave hits, it just withdraws slightly. You take a breath, and then another one hits. And it's going to be a bit like that. That Holy Spirit movement is going to be like the waves crashing on a beach and you all get to be soaked. And what I heard God say at that point was, don't paddle. Don't paddle. Don't tiptoe in the water. Get submerged. Submerge yourself daily in the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is not a word. This is not a word for the, just the young but this is a word for those that are even older and even to the oldest person in the church. The Lord says, for all you who are, who are retired, your latter years are going to be greater than your former years. And the Lord says, what you have sown in this land and in this town is what's responsible for what's coming. And the Lord says, it is time to be the elders that I've called you to be. It is called time for you to stand your ground and support those who can still do all the running. But the Lord says, do not think that I do not see just how much you've invested, even in tears and even in blood at times. But this is a multi-generational call and it's a multi-generational move of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, even the oldest has something to give to the youngest. And the youngest has got something to give to the oldest. And the Lord says, you are not any greater or any less than anybody else. But the Lord says, together you move as an army. And I'm going to begin now to change even the bonds that bind you. And the Lord says, look to be led, but remember to lead. Each one of you in this room is a leader. You're responsible for leading your space. Lead it well. So, Father God, I just bless these people. God, I'm excited to hear about the journey that they go on. I can't wait to hear about the, the blessing that pours out of this place, the souls that are saved. God, we stand in agreement with you and we say, bring it on. Bring it on. Bless you. Amen. Thank you, guys. You have been amazing. Thank you for journeying with me.